Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. When you finish recording, please hang up or press the hash key for more options. Cool, all right, let's do this. Sure thing, why not? Sure thing, why not? I know it. Sure thing, why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? It's Sunday, which means it's time for the front three Q&A with me, Adam Ball, with the one and only Lawrence McKenna. Season, oh, it's not quite over yet, is it? Not quite, not quite. Uh, and we're also joined by Chris Hennage in place of Dave O'Brien, who's actually in Manchester um, amid all the, 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 the craziness going on at the moment. But uh, Chris, welcome. Good evening. Good evening. Pretty eventful final day in the Premier League, I think it's safe to say. Um, now, before we get on to the, the painful stuff for myself, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about what is probably, it is the biggest news today. A controlled explosion at Old Trafford after a lifelike device was found in the stadium. Police say the item was not viable after experts detonate the suspect package uh, that saw the game between Manchester United and Bournemouth called off in Old Trafford. A very confusing situation, wasn't it, Lawrence? We were doing the live show on the Football Republic earlier. We were sort of hearing reports about the st- half the stadiums being evacuated and the whole stadium. It was all uh, just a bizarre and unprecedented uh, situation. Well, unfortunately, I think it's because uh, of the way that, you know, the world's structured right now. Uh, we, we obviously get breaking news. People want to be the first to report something rather than maybe the ones who are right. So they want to be ahead of everyone else, which leads to a kind of a, a weird kind of news haze where you can't quite work out what's true and what isn't. Um, you know, one minute Stan Collymore is saying there's a bomb and the next minute people are saying it's a, you know, it's a lifelike or a, you know, a, a dummy, basically. As much as people are saying it's yeah, lifelike, it's all well and good. I mean, you know, you can sneak any box and a phone into a stadium and pretend it's yeah. a bomb. And so that's part of the point here, I think. You know, it, most news organisations would admit that they aren't always dead on things. So the, the panic that a lot of people felt is probably a legitimate panic, and you don't want to belittle that. But at the same time, let's just put it in perspective that it wasn't a real bomb, and it was a precautionary thing. It doesn't mean that we're not alluding to the wider problems that maybe a lot of the worry that people feel around Euro 2016 and, uh, you know, just general safety in stadiums. I think a lot of people have addressed, you know, with going in stadiums as journalists or in boxes or just letting droves of, you know, 70 or 80,000, maybe even 100,000 people into any big area. It's hard to manage. And very often you don't feel the bags are checked correctly. But, it, you know, there's so many different things to unpack. What we have to say is it's not... It, it ultimately wasn't a real bomb. 
Um, and, you know, as much mm. as the initial news and everyone wants to panic about it, it's actually not the same story that maybe a real bomb would have gathered. Um, and, you know, it, it, because of the way that people normally react and the way that people want to report it, it sort of gets the reaction that a terrorist or someone who wants that sort of thing wants. So I, I almost feel like the best thing to do is sort of go, well, it's not real. We know what the concerns are. How does it affect your actions at a game, which is essentially to be vigilant and to be careful? Does it really affect you going to the football? Probably affects you looking out for people or sort of um, being cautious. But it certainly doesn't really affect anything that you should do at a game. So it's almost like leave it at that and move on almost for me. Yeah, I mean, the other thing to say, of course, is that uh, the, the whole operation should be applauded, really. Um, the, the police, the security stewards, and all the fans, it was quite um, uh, organized evacuation, really, and uh, no real panic. So that's, it was, that's it was why good they did it. Though. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, of course, you know, it's almost a good. The, yeah, it's, it's a good exercise, essentially. Thank mm. you, whoever did that bomb, because, you know, you've really you've shown people how to do how to evacuate a stadium and remain calm correctly. Yes, it was. It, in the end, it was a device, including a phone, uh, strapped to a gas pipe. Uh, as I said, it was a controlled uh, demolition, uh, controlled detonation, I should say. Um, and it's you know confirmed as, as, as a hoax, essentially. So hopefully, the people who uh, who uh, planted that there will be found and dealt with swiftly. Um, them. You know, there's a lot of CCTV in the stadium and stuff. Talking of well, from uh, to an implosion, essentially, Kristen. Tottenham Hotspur today, losing 5-1 at Newcastle United, giving up second place to arch rivals, Arsenal, bitterly disappointing, of course, for Spurs fans, mainly the manner in which they succumbed to defeat Newcastle. I mean, uh, what were your thoughts on the game and why did it go so horribly wrong for Spurs? There was part of me expecting the Premier League to tweet out that Newcastle could stay in the league after all. Um, just for entertainment's sake. I, th- I think what I would say, joking aside, is that what you saw was the next sort of step in the progression of Newcastle United under Rafa Benitez. And I say that because they score the goals, which again are quite fluid attacks, make the most of the assets at their disposal, Mitrovic and Alden. But then when they go a man down, there was a, a genuine expectation they would concede and Spurs would come back into the game. I think that's again where you see the organisation that Benitez brings and also their ability to use the components at their disposal. So one of the reasons they bought Townsend was because he's like Sissoko. He's a great ball carrier. He's very quick. That meant that as Tottenham pushed, Newcastle could sit deep and spring on them. Mm. And again, the the penalty is an abomination. It's an atrocious dive. It's one of the poorest dives I've seen um, in my entire watching football. That aside, I think the other two goals again show that team's potential and why it is still a little bit of a surprise that they're going down. And one of the reasons they're going down is because Steve McLaren was allowed to stay so long. Um, I, th- I think for Spurs, they were just too ragged. I think this is the problem is that that Chelsea game, it didn't just take players out of the team from in suspensions. I think it took a lot of energy out of them as well and, and really kind of destabilised them as, a, as an organised unit. Mm, it's been a pretty poor final four games for Spurs. Uh, mm-hmm. Two defeats, two defeats preceded by two uh, draws. Of course, having held the lead in three of those games. Um, but I think I mean, you, I say- I, you know we, we definitely uh, yeah. Not only have they held the lead, but then 
there have been some massive thrashings in there and some a lot of goals conceded. And not only that, but a seeming loss of... Uh, what would you... Uh, a loss, loss of football control, maybe? Mm, yeah, I mean... The, I mean the, you know, we were talking about mentality earlier in the season. We all hoped that that changed. But it seems as if I think there's it's a kind mainly... of different aspect to that. Because, you know, someone else is tweeting in. Uh, who was it that tweeted in about you and I being biased against Hazard, but not mentioning the Dembele? Here you go. Um, Chelsea FC, uh, Chelsea in 39 FC says, uh, yeah, you didn't talk about the eye gouge. Um, there have been some nasty things that Spurs players have done. It is a little bit weird how quickly it's sort of gone south. So, no, fortunately, not many people drawing the line between uh, an, an Argentinian implosion uh, and uh, you know the sort of underhanded nature of those people. And uh, do you want a fun fact? I'd love one, Kristen. In inverted commas. Exactly twenty years ago today, Arsenal Sorry. finished ahead of Tottenham because Tottenham couldn't beat Newcastle on the last day of the season. No way. The history of peanuts, I And also, Sergeant Pack is the band to play. Well. No way. It's... Yeah, they finish 1-1. One, one. <laughs> it's... It, I think it is... I mean, back in April, if we'd beat Manchester United 3-0, we followed that up the, the week after the 4-0 thrashing of Stoke. The draw of West Brom, particularly disappointing at home, that was the sort of the night that felt like the title challenge was slipping away, essentially. And then to draw two or Chelsea, which on the face of it isn't a bad result, to, but to be 2-0 up uh, is what stings the most. And of course, losing to Southampton last weekend when, when a win would have confirmed second place was bitterly disappointing. And I think, you know, you look at the stats about missing Dembele, um, obviously a very important player for Spurs this season. I think, you know, uh, Ali as well missing. But I think you guys, are point to there is more than just the... The players missing. It's been a pretty abysmal end to the season. Um, I think it's a young team as well. Because it's a young team, there is that inexperience there, um, which may have sort of cost us towards the end. You know, you see Halley getting his ban and Dyer and the likes all sort of going in against Chelsea and sort of losing their heads, as it were. I'm trying to remain positive and say, you know, to finish third, I would have snapped your hand off if you'd offered me that at the start of the season. But I think to be in a position we were... Yeah, to be in the position we were four games ago uh, and to finish below Arsenal is, is very disappointing. And I think it, it, sh- it could be good in a way in terms of, you know, if we had finished above Arsenal and we sort of drawn today, it might have papered over the cracks in some way. You know, we would, there, we, there wouldn't be the honest assessment of this is a team that needs to improve. I mean, we heard Pochettino saying a few days ago about how he wasn't going to sign many players in the summer and, you know, he's happy with his team. I think, you know, if we are going to, compete in the Champions League next season and, and do anything of note, then I think we need to recognise there are areas to improve in and there are uh, ways for, for Spurs to be taken to the next level. But there are other ways to acknowledge that as well. I mean, it is maybe it's, you know, there's training that can be done on players. You could also, you know, at this point in the season, I'm always sort of reminded of that Steve Jobs speech where he talks about joining the dots backwards. And, you know, it seems very easy now for a lot of people to join the Leicester docks backwards and sort of go, well, you know, Ranieri, blah, 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 you know, he was, he was ready for this, his methods, etc. Th- there does seem to be a similar thing going on with Spurs, that, you know, that they need to go through a difficult time like this, some teams at least, uh, in a sporting psychologically way, to be able to rise out of that. You know, there's a lot of times where that's, that narrative is drawn for other teams, so why not draw it for Spurs? Do you think you need that sort of 
Edgar Davids like influence. You know, a few years ago, I think it was under Yall where you got Edgar Davids in for a season. On us. is that the kind of player you think Spurs need to go for in the summer? Someone yeah, I think you know we should again show he's got a nasty edge, but I think there's the there I'm is... thinking someone just to calm things down and give yeah, it's the lack perspective of, when I think it's that lack of experience, and I think you know everyone talks about game management and how you need to sort of be smarter. And I think we couldn't. It's been a theme with Spurs a couple of times this season, even before the sort of the, the poor ending that we have failed to take our chances and we failed to hold on to leads. I mean, you've seen the stat even before these last two games about how. Spurs have lost the most points from winning positions than, than any other team this season. I think there is a lack of nous in that team because they're so young. You know, we've got so many promising young players, and we've all been massively impressed with them. But I think there does need to be an acknowledgement that we do need more experience and, and maybe more level heads throughout the team. Uh, at the same time, even better, and it's it's Spurs going full Spurs a day to somehow finish third in what just a few weeks ago was a, a two horse title race uh, with Spurs as one of those teams. Incredi- yeah, incredible for Arsenal though. I mean, yeah, yeah to come back like that, and credit to Wenger for you know almost not giving into um, uh, how, how would you put it? Sort of, he, he definitely fielded the last his strongest team on the final day, and you know didn't feel Rosicky or it's... possibly Walcott and what could what could have been his final game. Yeah. Yeah, I've got to give credit to Arsenal finish second. At the same time, they, I, I still think you have to say they have underperformed this season. They should have been close, less than 10 points clear of Arsenal, which Absolutely. I think is yeah. a pretty spectacular it's gap. It's academic um, now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And of course, every big team has underperformed. I mean, we'll come on to Man City in a minute, who look to have all but secured fourth place as well. Manchester United have to win 19-0, I believe, against Bournemouth to, uh, to, to get in the top four, which um, seems unlikely. It does seem Are like you saying there's a chance? Yeah. <laughs> You're saying there's a chance. Um, so yeah, this wouldn't enter the season with Spurs, but I think you know if you look in perspective, uh, a, a good season from the place we were though, it should have been better. I think that's fair to say, and there's there's definitely room to improve, uh, and ways that Pochettino can uh, can improve his team for next season. Pretty astonishing route either way. Um, Swansea Man City finishing one all uh, point for Pellegrini's team, as I say, getting that top four finish. Uh, it is a disappointing season, though, Chris. I mean, there's no way to to mask that. And we saw the City's fans' disappointment with their treatment, really, of Pellegrini in his farewell speech last week. Um, it feels a bit of a disappointment in terms of they're also in the semi-finals of the Champions League, but quite meek there as well. Yeah, I think they were quite ungrateful, City fans. I think. Again, Pellegrini have achieved what they expected. I think he did achieve what was outlined for him, though. He did get the five titles in years, so he did achieve that. It's it's a funny case with City in that sense, because I think you've got someone like Yaya Toure as well, who's now obviously going to depart in the summer. I think that's all but guaranteed. And you, you just wonder that if, if things don't go right for Guardiola instantly, how will they react then? Because that's the thing. Since he was announced as their new coach, I think that's the point where City's season falls off the rails. Because then you know there's no need for, for Pellegrini to build past the end of the season. A lot of the players, I think, would imagine that it's the end of their season as well, or the end of their time at the club, I should say. And it, it just seemed quite a destabilising um, situation for the whole team and the whole club. So I think to to end things on, on what is quite a tepid and sour note seems a bit harsh, because I think Pellegrini did bring benefits to City. I, did, I do think he improved them. Um, he has also left them with problems, of course he has, but I think every coach does. And, and to almost 
revise history like that seems a little bit harsh on on him and his achievements. I mean, do you not feel this season taken by itself that Lawrence has been? It's been pretty underwhelming for City, hasn't? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, the, the amount of money spent, all those sort of things, uh, the expectation on the team. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking earlier today about uh, like my own personal journey this season as a fan of Liverpool and how earlier on in the season, when Liverpool had Rodgers, Liverpool fans were on the offensive of sort of, let's put things in perspective, let's put things into context, context perspective, context perspective. And suddenly Klopp came in and there seemed to be a control to the club and there didn't need to be such context and perspective all the time because they didn't seem to be scrambling for it. And I think the same can be applied to City. Um, uh, you know, when you're offered something that you believe to be an improvement and then you sort of have to stick with what you have already, then it can lead to feelings of ungratefulness or all those sort of things. But the problem is the shame that is felt around that because you're supposed to be sort of so loyal to the club or you're supposed to sort of stick with people and those sort of things. Uh, you know, it's kind of difficult. to. It's impossible to justify those because you're not supposed to feel those as a fan or you're told you're not supposed to feel those as a fan. Um and so I think that that's the difficulty with Man City is that they're sort of caught in this place where they do have a lot of good fans. Um, but at the same time, it's very difficult for them not to sound ungrateful. I, I was really stunned when on the live show I said to one of the fans, you know, are you grateful to Pellegrini for everything he's done? He was sort of like, not really. And, and, I, and I was sort of like, oh, right, OK, so you, this guy's almost gone like grey over you. And... Um, you know, you don't seem to appreciate that. And I, I find that hard to understand. But at the same time, I don't, because earlier on in the season, Brendan Rodgers was forgotten in an instant um, mm. because Klopp came in. And people don't seem to be talking about Liverpool fans in the same way, just because, they're, they're, you know, it was a sort of a clean break, if you will, or it seemed more justified in their eyes. But actually, I, I don't feel like there's any set of fans who wouldn't act in that way. It's just that actually, it's especially weird with Man City. I don't know what you think about this, Chris, because your team is sort of, you know, they've got that big team mentality, but sometimes suffer from not a big team performance. And with Man City, it feels very similar because just a few seasons ago, they were talking about, well, you know, we're the underdogs, blah, blah, blah. And you were talking, Adam, about, you know, your side not having the mentality or the experience to win the league. I just wonder whether the same can sometimes apply to fans. Is that you know when you're used I to just being? Think Pellegrini did a lot more than Rogers, though. No, yeah, but well, no, Chris. What I mean is the sort of moving on. No, there is no fan that is sort of um, very graceful or sort of uh, you know it's very difficult to put uh, them all in one in one group. Is what I'm saying, and the, the same applies to Man City. And that just a few seasons ago they were sort of trying to climb the leagues, and now they're sort of at the top. They don't really have that that much experience of almost looking down or sort of you know being at the top. And I just wonder whether that takes a little bit of time. You know, it's about the different experiences and the ups and downs. And not every fan is good at managing both. I just think the whole what have you done for me lately mentality is a little bit... Ungrateful, <laughs> stupid. Unsettling. Yeah, um, it's ridiculous. Yeah, especially it's just... when, it comes to, when it comes to the fact that, you know, you have to put it in perspective. Yeah, football's all about the here and now, isn't it? I think that's the, no, but it maybe the though, floor. Of, but that's what I mean... Well, the... In terms of that's how it's perceived by fans, is what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to say that's the the right thing, but fans are all about what has happened, not almost not even this season, but you know the last few weeks. You know, 
think about Arsenal every week, the, the entire perception that the fans have of their club changes. Of course, see, today I, I disagree with that. I, I don't. I think that that's partly the way that we currently package it, because actually, you know, it, the, so for instance, it's all about the here and now, because fan cams make it about the here and now, because you get the immediate, you get the immediate feeling, you get those sort of, oh, I'm furious, I'm angry. But actually, mm. most fans reflect after the game, and most fans sort of come to a much more reasonable conclusion that i just think it's that it makes it a lot easier to box fans in if you tell them it's only about the last thing it's only about the here and now it sort of gives you much easier threads to pull at and much easier ways to wind people up and i think we've almost created that to make it um easier for us to try to package it up and put each other in a box almost and i think it, 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 it separates fans rather than brings them together what i would say is the the one prevalent thing that was thrown at City when they did have this money early on was the fact they hadn't won anything. There's the, I think it was the banner with the 34 years or 33 years that Man United used to lament them about. Even if you think Pellegrini did a poor job relative to what he had, he still did help them collect trophies. He still did help them move further away from that perception yeah. of them being a trophyless club and a team that didn't win things to the point where they've collected the League Cup, they've, they've won the Premier League under him. So again, he's he's helping build part of that sort of dynasty, if you will. Okay, maybe he hasn't put you know a few floors on on top of the mansion. He's at least built enough to be proud, I think, of what he did achieve, even if it wasn't as great as was expected. No, I agree. What about Arsenal? Oh, sorry. What about Liverpool then, Lawrence? Uh, not much to say about them really. Drawing one with West Brom, or the focus is on Wednesday, really. Uh, yeah. Um, basically um, Liverpool uh, you know it's about perspective for Liverpool Liverpool are uh, angry that they've slipped out the top four uh, but it's very difficult to pin that on one particular person or Klopp um, the fans are obviously frustrated by that Klopp has shared that sentiment I think Klopp is very good all the all the articles over the past week have been about um, you know Klopp and how he's got the fans behind him and you know how he managed to do different to what Mourinho did when Mourinho was seen to have insulted his fans. Klopp did it in a much softer way, a kind of, you know, we're rebuilding this together. And it sort of stirred memories of Shankly and the, the, the boot room and all, you know, we're all together idea in Liverpool. The socialist appeal of a manager like that is huge for a city like Liverpool. And so I think now when we get Liverpool get to the final, two finals in a season, most people would say in a first season for any manager, that will be... Um, a, a huge achievement but then secondly that you know they've gotten through this uh, and they're in the final my only issue is as a Liverpool fan there are some shades of uh, Sacco and the problems around Sacco and whether Liverpool should have forfeited because of that interesting interesting um, what about Southampton Christian because they've kind of gone a little bit under the radar they've been fantastic in their last 10 games really uh, put on a, a real run and they've ended up finishing fifth qualifying for the Europa League uh, being Crystal Palace 4-1 today pretty impressive season from them they're finishing three points behind City uh, after all yeah and, and the concerning thing is I, I read just recently that in fact today that um, Ronald Coleman will go to Everton if, if Southampton can't match the 100 million war chest great really? transfer phrase there you can't match the war chest that's being <laughs> offered to, to him at, uh, at Everton. Um, I wonder if it's given in gold bars. I bet 
but it is. Um, <laughs> it's such a waste because obviously, but, like, you know, converting it to gold bars and then converting it back. You know, oh, I wouldn't care. That I'd like the ceremony of it all. Yeah. You, do you imagine walking in the room and them just going, is that a war chest? And him just sort of going, you know, we can't send gold bars to other teams for, we'll give you 50 gold bars for who? Here's the paper that came wrapped in for Jack Colbach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's touched gold. Have you, have you seen the, I don't know whether those phrases are actually real uh, phrases that tra- uh, with Jack Colbach, but, um, you know, the, uh, where he says he came to Newcastle and left Sunderland because he wanted to. Oh, yeah, he only said part of that. Yeah, I don't, definitely. I, all of that sort of paraphrasing, right? I, I don't think he's, because some of it, I'm sick of misattributed quotes this season. He, he said he said like a few bits of it, um, but by no means. Because, I mean, even if you read it, it just doesn't sound right. Well, it, um, it literally sounds like him sort of looking the journalist in the eye and just sort of going, I hate them. Like, it would have been more believable if it had finished with, and yeah, Sunderland are dickheads, purple monkey dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think for, for Southampton, again, they've had this transition from one manager to another in Pochettino to Coleman. I think for them, again, it's it's an interesting summer now where I don't think they'll lose a huge wealth of that team. I don't think, bar maybe Marne is the only one I can imagine really coming under um, kind of speculation and transfer bids. So it's it's a good opportunity then for, for to build and just gain some continuity because I think that's the only thing really that Southampton have missed since they came up is the continuity of not losing key components every summer. Um, and the fact that the TV money's there as well, it means you've got that nice little buffer that you can invest in. So I'm quite excited for Southampton summer. I think it could be a really big sort of monumental year for, for that club in terms of moving forward to the next level. Mm. Everton as well winning 3-0 against Norwich uh, the week that Roberto Martinez was of course sacked interesting one for them Lawrence uh, kind of a new era Tim Howard moving on as Chris says there Ronald Koeman is someone there they're looking to bring in Jose Mourinho is another name that's mentioned uh, Rafa Benitez of course uh, we'll, we'll come on to him a little bit later in the questions uh, bottom half of the table finished though for Everton very disappointing uh, considering the amount of talent they've got there um, and they'll probably want to forget this season quite quickly I imagine um, I think again there's probably a lot to learn from the season uh, they've played some lovely football at times they'll be very eager to convince the guys who played the good football to stay and that they've got a manager that can come in and do those sorts of things I wonder how much of this is sort of a facade or a show to keep uh, the, the fans on side and the, the people on side because it seems like quite a big jump to make from Roberto Martinez to a Mourinho or a Koeman or someone like that. Um, uh, and I understand those managers are available, but, you know, they're not going to have Champions League football and, you know, it seems like a fairly thankless task sometimes. Um, although you are very well loved at Everton if you do well. So... I know they've got investment now. That's fantastic, especially for Merseyside. But, you know, people are going to look with trepidation as to what happened to Martinez and how quickly things sort of turned sour, which felt unusual for Everton because actually that's not necessarily the case. Always a lot of people have patience there. Um, but they're an intelligent set of footballing fans. So, you know, they need an intelligent manager. And at times I think they grew impatient with how Martinez almost looked like he didn't. It, it, it was perceived as if he didn't know what he was doing, at least defensively. I don't think he did, though, did he? I think he lost the dressing room, personally. I think that part of that was there, therefore became down, uh, became execution of his actual plans. And I think players, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you lose one player in any unit, 
you've sort of lost your unit essentially um and i found that quite difficult to watch because you know i don't feel that uh, he he is a manager deserves that and i think sometimes managers suffer because of individuals agendas um i know yeah i, I see what you're saying but i feel like the the it was more his, the tactical downfall i'd say i think ev- everyone lost faith in him not just the dressing room but the fans as well when you sort of look a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Look at the result that came today and you kind of think, well, you know, where was that in the rest of the season? But yeah, now he's gone, eh? Now he's gone, then. Yeah, but, breaks off. I mean, it, uh, <laughs> from, from, what, from what I've been told, he's not a particularly awkward man to work with. Uh, you know, the kind of football that he wants people to play is uh, expansive, exciting, open football. A lot of young players in the past at Wigan and other teams have spoken about the, um, the, the enthusiasm with which he approached them, you know, DeSanto and, and players like that. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I imagine there's probably conflicting reports, but there are a couple of people in that dressing room that you imagine are coming towards the end of their career now who maybe were a little bit frustrated at being left fringed or sort of not as prominent within that squad sure, and maybe it, just overall frustrated. It was the right decision to sack him, though, you'd say. Well, well, you I mean, just... I, I guess I'm questioning that because I guess if you, again, it's, it, uh, there's an a, there's almost shades of AVB at Chelsea for me. I just I feel think like he'd be a great youth coach, personally. Yeah, yeah but, that, but that, that's, like... not, that's not the prominence to pay or the uh, challenge you would say that, that being a top manager in the Premier League has. Although it would have rewarding factors, you know, it doesn't have what I imagine the lifestyle he's accustomed to. To finish, I think to finish a few points above Watford, a few points above West Brom, the same points as Swansea for a squad they've got, uh, it should be a lot better. And they had one of the, the best strikes in the league, you remember the Kaku. I think Martinez cannot set up a team to defend and the stats bear that out really and he, he, he showed he wasn't really learning from his mistakes and almost refused to, to change the style of play regardless of, of how much it was costing his team I mean, well, You could look at it either way you could either say that or you could say well yes but he also um, was very sure of where he wanted to go and again it comes down to execution from the players at the beginning of the season we were looking at a very frustrating season from Tim Howard uh, and at times that back line and you know I I understand you've got to assess and then sort of work with what you've got. But at the same time, if you feel like it's individual mistakes, you can't mm. necessarily say, well, the manager should take those on. Immediately. That's, what I'm, that's what I kind of struggle with, I guess. Let's wrap up the rest of the results then. As we said earlier, 
Villa, Chelsea 1-0 against Leicester on the final day, Stoke beating West Ham 2-1, which means West Ham are relying on Manchester United to win the FA Cup final to secure qualification for the Europa League, the third qualifying round at least. Uh, Watford drawing 2 all with Sunderland and Kike Sanchez-Flores his last game in charge. Uh, what do you make of that decision, Kristen? Because uh, it's been met with some bafflement by fans outside of Watford, whereas it seems that the fans themselves are in, in agreement that this is the right decision. Surprisingly, yeah, I, th- I think what you can say is, is that the start of the season or the first half was great for, for him and Watford. I think his lack of flexibility is what's ultimately cost him his job. Um, and I think that is something that any future um, holder of that position will need is the flexibility. It's certainly surprising, and I think you look at Watford and, and the way they've handled their managerial situation with Jakanovic leaving and Kiki Sanchez-Flores, the ownership, the Puzzle family are quite ruthless in that sense. My one concern for them moving forward in that regard is, do you potentially dilute the pool of potential managers by being so willing to chop and change? Um, Because you could argue that Sanchez-Flores, in being given just a season, hasn't had a real opportunity to show he could be flexible and versatile because I imagine his first concern was always to keep them in the Premier League. <clears throat> I think next season's an interesting one for Watford because personally I could see them being just as likely to go on and build and do well as I could see them being like the Birmingham side of a few years ago who had that chronic sophomore slump. Um, it's just very hard to predict personally um, and I think mm. the one good advantage they have and I think they'll always have is that in those satellite clubs they've got wealth of talent that they can potentially bus in and move in so it's yeah it's it's hard to get any concrete conclusions from Watford at this point because you don't even know who their manager is going to be uh, elsewhere around Europe this weekend most of the leagues wrapped up Barcelona winning La Liga of course with a 3-0 win over Granada uh, despite Real Madrid winning 2-0 against Deportivo uh, Luis Suarez and the like won La Liga Luis Suarez finishing as the top scorer in the competition as well uh, Gonzalo Higuain breaking the record in Serie A, uh, scoring 36 goals uh, over the course of the season. That's massive. Uh, in style because, as well. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, an overhead kick, right? Oh, breaking a record that has stood since 1950. And, and, and bear in mind, they've had some incredible strikers but in that time. Mm. Like, Batistuta's played in that league. You know, like, Totti's played in that league. Like, Inzaghi's played in that league. They've had some amazing people. I know they're like the peak of uh, Italian defending, but, you know, still pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. Jay Bothroyd played in that league. Jay Bothroyd. He did, indeed. Uh, Stuttgart relegated from uh, the Bundesliga for the first time in 41 years. Uh, Bayern Munich, of course, wrapping up the title, drenching each other in beer, as they always do. Uh, Ibrahimovic signing off from PSG with a record-breaking double. Uh, looks like he's off to either, well, Manchester United or LA Galaxy, the rumours, but probably. Did you see Bayern Munich do the running man challenge? No, oh, was, God, it no. was it good? Only Jerome Boateng's was good. Ribéry's like Gorters was the most white man dancing I've ever seen in my entire life. No, there you go. no. I'm, I'm sure Javier uh, Alonso pulled it off almost flawlessly. I think he had um, enough self-awareness not to did, bother. I was going to say, did you see Javier Alonso <laughs> nailing uh, Pep, Guardiola, <laughs> Pep Guardiola in the face with a beer? <laughs> I didn't. That was as good as the running man challenge. It's a good gift. Zlatan um, left the field early. Just yeah, literally just walked off. <laughs> yeah, just most maverick thing in the world. He picks his kids up and he's like, right, I'm off. 
See you later, lads. I'm done here. It is. It, I mean, it is. He doesn't seem very uh, emotional about it. Let's put it that way. No, uh, he will. Wait, I mean, what do you think? Don't get me wrong. He's pretentious to the point of like, even Prince would be like, Jesus, he likes himself, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah good point. Finally, we'll say that Arsenal won one nil in the FA Cup final, the Women's FA Cup final. We should mention that as well. Let's move on to the questions then for the last twenty minutes or so. <laughs> and some women won. Anyway. um... Someone won a title. That was another title. You see the goal? Won this season. Won it. Uh, Good goal. No, was it? Was it a banger? It was a beauty. Absolute curler from the left-hand side of the penalty box. Just outside. Let's move on to the question, guys. First up, a question here from Gary Goals. Days of 1996. So, was Lawrence right about Spurs' mentality after all? Yes, move on. After Arsenal finished above Spurs for the 21st consecutive season. Hmm. The only thing I'd say about that is... You were wrong. No, no. When we had a discussion before, you were saying Spurs' prevailing problem has been mentality, which I was disagreeing with. Okay. But I feel this season, like I said with the young squad, it's cost us at the end. I'm not saying, you know. You know. Um, You've not really addressed the issue there, but okay. John Routledge says, if you were Rafa, would you stay with Newcastle? If I were Rafa, probably not, no. What about you, Chris? I don't think it's fair for me to answer. I think I've got an obvious horse in this race. But if you were Rafa, you are Rafa right now. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's assuming, again, assuming that um, my demands are sort of met, because he said it's not about money, and I'll give him credit. I do believe him about that. If if the club met the demands in terms of structure and all that kind of stuff, then why not? Because in fairness, it's an opportunity to elevate your reputation hugely by taking them back up, then taking them into an even semi-decent position makes it seem as if you've absolutely overhauled the place. And I get the feeling that he likes that challenge. I th- and that club uh, needs you know a real restructure. Mm, I guess that's the only problem is, you know, we've seen him at other clubs. The time he's left is when he's not been given the autonomy he needs. Um, and, you know, Mike Ashley and autonomy are not uh, two words you put together. <laughs> uh, Chiron Pyrus on Twitter says, guys, who will finish in the top four next season? Next season? Ash? He missed our next slide, but um, we'll forgive him that. Um, I am going to say <clears throat> Spurs. Not, not in particular order, I should have. <laughs> No particular order. Uh, Spurs, Arsenal, Man City, and Liverpool. That's what I'm going to go for. Uh, Chris, what are you going for? Man United, Man City. Go on, Crumbs. go on. I didn't think this through. I was going to say Spurs and Liverpool, assuming that Arsenal Vegas stays at Arsenal. Oh, Arsenal outside the top four you're saying next season. Yeah. Okay. And assuming Vegas stays, that's my only caveat. I think he will be. Uh, Lawrence, what's your prediction? Uh, I think it'll be Man City, uh, United, um, Spurs. Yes. <laughs> and I'm going. I'll say Liverpool as well, just because I feel like, yeah, if if Wenger stays, I, f- I feel that's a, a bridge too far almost. Mm. Uh, Mo Ritz on Twitter said, "Do you think Dortmund will struggle after Hummels leaving, and how well?" Will Dembele do there? Kristen, of course, Hummels confirmed moving to Bayern Munich at the end of the season. And it's also been confirmed that Dortmund is signing Usman Dembele from Rennes. What do you reckon? Will Dortmund struggle after Hummels leaving? I think, assuming they don't replace him, 
then yes, massively, because he's a big part of that team. Um, I did see a funny interview with Dembele, though, in France today, where he was asked which foot he prefers. Actually, it might not have been today, but um, which foot he prefers, and he said his left. And the guy goes, ah, yes, but you scored with your right. And he said, yeah, but I'm left-footed. And he said, you also took the penalty with your right. He's like, yeah, because I can shoot better with my right, but I'm left-footed, which is very bizarre. Um I, th- I think, yeah, they need to, to invest. And in fairness, they'll, they'll have the money to do so. So I wish them good luck. I can kind of see why Hummels is going. But the problem, obviously, with that move is, is that when you've said what he said in the public, you're going to look like mm. a hypocrite. Indeed. Uh, George O'Callaghan says, is Stoke finishing ninth? Three seasons on the trot, consistency or stagnation? Read the narrative at Loscast Winky Face. What do you reckon, Lawrence? I mean, I think it's consistency. Um, You know, to finish ninth is... uh, It it sort of depends on the context you give it. They invested in good players in the off-season, but they've never invested to the point where you feel they can keep up with everyone else. Uh, I mean, to remain in the Premier League, to come from what they came from, stability, I think, is what they're going for. I don't know whether it's uh, progress, but I I definitely think it's it's a form of that. It gives them the stability they need to go on and build with. Uh, next question is from Michael Filetti. Which manager has the toughest job next season? Um, let's narrow that down to the Premier League so we, we, you know, we can uh, focus on that. Which manager has the toughest job next season in the Premier League? Um, <laughs> Sam Allardyce. Toughest? Yeah, I was going to say that actually. Again? Um, not, not to keep them up, but next season he won't have the advantage of Villa, Newcastle, Norwich being so poor. I don't think the three teams mm. will have that same struggle. And equally, he now has to really overhaul that squad and get almost every transfer right um, because there is a lot of really poor players in that squad. And I think, and I've said this as well, for all the, the adulation and uh, accolades that Allardyce has got, he's not done drastically better than Rafa Benitez, who's had only 10 games. And I think that need, it needs that little bit of perspective is that he's had seven months in a transfer window. I'd kind of expect him to finish above Newcastle mm, and outside yeah. the relegation zone. I think Claudio Ranieri is going to have quite a, a tough job next season because obviously such an incredible achievement this season. And I know people are already saying, you know, and him himself is sort of playing down expectations and saying, you know, we can't win the league again. But I just feel by the, the very nature of how incredible this season has been anything less will seem like a disappointment and people will begin questioning that so it's not necessarily he's going to get sacked or that you know his job will be in jeopardy but I think it's tough in terms of living up to this season is it's almost impossible I don't even know if he's living up as well yeah well yeah massively yeah yeah the end of their season again it's it's something that's not really been talked about because there's been more prominent narratives in inverted commas they've had an atrocious (laughs) 2016 like a really poor, and a, a lot of people who scoffed at Newcastle fans and, and said, "Care for what you wish for," he's having the same. I would say having the same situation play out at Palace that played out in Newcastle, and we never got to see how the Newcastle one concluded. So we'll see how it concludes with Palace. I'm really interested to see how Guardiola gets on as well, specifically after. Uh, not disappointing end to his time in Bayern Munich, but not winning that Champions League trophy. I think a lot of people are going to want to see him fail in England. And I think if there's any slip-ups or anything goes slightly wrong, 
I think uh, a lot of pressure is going to be on him because people are expecting him to win the league straight away. They expect him to walk it almost. So I think it's going to be very fascinating to see how he gets on. It looks as if um, Manchester United has been rescheduled to play this Tuesday. Oh, that's good. Okay. Hmm. Uh, just just a quick update. Um, that one comes live. Be behind closed doors is what I heard. That's interesting because obviously the fans that are paid for tickets and stuff, uh, mm. those guys would surely have to be refunded. Um, yeah. And then obviously it also, I mean, it doesn't really disrupt preparation for the FA Cup final, but no, it's certainly not perfect. It's certainly not ideal, is it? Mm. Is that the only one that pictures is happening in a dining room with a sponge ball like when you were kids? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Behind closed doors. This one's going to come behind closed doors. Sorry. Uh, here's a good question from... Nico, which style of football do you think will dominate Europe in the next few years? Not that I believe uh, any style is superior to another. It's just that football seems to gravitate from success to success, regardless of whether they have a true understanding of it. What does that Uh, mean? uh, Well, the the first part of the question was, which style of football do you think will dominate Europe in the next few years? I mean, we're sort of seeing the... The success of counter-attacking football with Atletico Madrid and Leicester, of course, is that something we're expecting to see become more prevalent across Europe? I don't, I'm not sure. Well, I mean, it, um, you, I mean, you could say the opposite as well, in that you know Real Madrid aren't only counter-attacking. You could also say that you know some people misread maybe what Klopp's doing and call that just counter-attacking football. Mm. Um, uh, maybe you'll see a formation. I mean, Dave's Dave sort of predicted, and it's already sort of happening, the uh, prevalence of four at the back, uh, one, and then four, one, or sort of a four, three, two, one. Um, but then, you know, there are a lot of people playing three at the back. I think it is, you know, it's obviously changing the way that people are passing and trying to move the other team. Uh, I mean, Chris, now, I don't know if you agree, but it is sort of that... the it's the it's the shape of the five in midfield, which is interesting depending on which manager you look at. No, it isn't. You fucking idiot. Good. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. I think in some ways football will mirror fashion in the sense that we'll see a renaissance of the '90s and the idea of defenders taking centre stage. We look at like Alderweireld, for example, and the Simeone. These guys who really do just seem to get off on defending and keeping a clean sheet. I think that's what we'll start to see now. Teams that put a lot more emphasis and onus on being able to defend first and taking real joy out of, taking real joy from earning the clean sheet. Um, and I think you look at the teams that have succeeded this season, Atletico being a good one, Leicester being another one that you touched on there, they are teams Um, and there's a story that Rude Hullet always tells about Milan in the 90s where he said they would play a training exercise where it would be the back four, so I think it's Baresi, Maldini, Costa Corta, and I forget who the fourth one was, might have been Panucci, someone else. And he said we would play the back four against the rest of the team and we wouldn't score a goal for 60 minutes because they were so organised, they knew how to keep a line expertly and they just understood how to defend so well. And I think we'll start to see something similar with that. Obviously it's different because the offside rules changed a bit, I think you will start to see a, a similar sort of thing come to the fore over Europe in the next few years. Here's a good one from James Halloran. <laughs> Dave's not here to answer back to this, but he said, I just want to say that Dave's call on Bilic needs to be relinquished. West Ham will falter at some point, but he can't just 
must then say, I told you so. Now, if you're not familiar with uh, what was being referred to here, they famously said at the start of this season that West Ham's manager, Slaven Bilic, would be the first man to be sacked this season. Obviously, that didn't come to pass, uh, and he's had a very successful season, uh, I think, by all accounts. Mm. Um, and <laughs> Dave's call needs to be relinquished, we're told. Um, I mean, really, that's for Dave to reply to, isn't it? Dave's got to deal with yes. his own shit. <laughs> we need to get back on to uh, to respond to that one. Um, final few questions: Who would win the premier? Who would win the premier first, Leicester or Tottenham? Spurs. Uh, I'm not quite sure what he's saying. There. I'm pretty sure they're just yeah. asking who's going to win the Premier League next out of those two. Right. Yeah, cocaine is a hell of a drug. Yeah. <laughs> I was just the premier, yeah. Like, oh, cocaine is a hell of a drug. Um, um, lots of Tottenham banter flying in. Yeah, this is kind of Adam sad, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, for you. Piotr Gala is Adam okay? Eh, just are about. You? Are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah. I think, you know, almost ex- I was expecting this last week. So, um, oh, come on, you, you were not because that's not what you said on the podcast, mate. Spurs are Spurs, you know what I mean? Spurs are bloody Spurs, hashtag mentality. Still in the Champions League, yeah. It could I be a lot worse, yeah. It could be a lot worse, yeah. It could be a lot worse. You could be, you know, Arsenal with false mate. hope in that sense. You'll start the season, the pair of you on the same sort of level in the sense that you'll both be looking for the Premier League title, you'll both be playing in the Champions League. Mm. Who do you think, here's a question from Vincent Rodriguez on this topic, who do you think Spurs should buy to help on and off the pitch? Um, let's focus on the pitch. Is there any names you think that maybe Spurs should be looking to bring in next summer? Any suggestions? Uh, we had a chat the other day about how we quite like Christian Benteke at the club, weirdly. <laughs> this is a Barnaby from Spurred on, sort of saying, you know, if Liverpool did sell up, would we mind taking him? I do think... We need desperately still need that other striker. We talked about this at the start of the season. Harry Kane is pretty much played almost every single minute of Premier League football for Spurs this season. Been running to the ground essentially, so it would be nice to have someone who could uh, could do the job. Uh, Bat Shuai is another name we always mentioned. Uh, Lacazette as well. Um, it looks like Leon may have to sell players. Um, any suggestions, Christian? Do you think guy. Uh, there's a guy in Marseille, isn't there? Mitchy Batshuayi. Yeah, Batshuayi, which I always butcher uh, any other names Kristen that you think may suit Spurs who um, Gonzalo <laughs> I mean again if you, if you want to spend is it 94 million euros or something like 95 again it's, a, it, it's an option it's that's the difficulty in, in some sense it's hard to place where Tottenham are in the, the grand scheme of things relative to who they could attract mm. um I, to be honest, I'm really struggling. There's there's no there's no names that jump out right away. Is that should be the guy? Um, yeah, as I, said, I hope he brings in some ex- some experience. That's what I say. I mean, it looks like Berahino's coming in. You know, uh, it looks like we are adding some young players. But I hope as well, Pochettino realizes that okay, this season was fantastic. A young uh, team sort of taking the lead by storm <laughs> before the last four games, and hopefully now we bring a little bit more experience that can bring a level head to uh, to the side, which would be. Nice. That's the that's the other point as well. I think you you make a great point there in saying that when I look at Spurs, I don't think of them as buying players that are already made stars. I always think of them buying guys like Berahino, who, with a little bit of work, a little bit of polish, becomes something very good. Um, so you look at let's say Granit Xhaka, for example. That's the kind of player, but I don't know if Tottenham really need that 
kind of player in the middle of midfield. As wonderful a player as he is, I mean, his disciplinary record's pretty poor, but other than that, he's a very good player. Um, just yeah. need, uh, you know, I just feel like we need backup for the key positions. Like I say, when Dembele, you know, it, it was was suspended towards the end of the season, we we missed him so much. We missed him throughout the season. Someone like Ali goes missing. Someone like Kane. We need more backup, solid backup for these sort of key positions, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring that in. Yeah. But for now, though, that does wrap up the last front three of the season. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, but then maybe we should, maybe we'll make like Wednesday or whatever a proper review thing, you know? Cause yeah, I'd quite like to do a little end of season awards thing, you know, give out a few awards and things like that. Too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, someone, uh, although uh, Faruha's just tweeted in one minute ago, Adam Bolt wound. <laughs> oh. Decent bands, lads. Great bands. I want you Faruka. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Thank you very much, Chris. Oh, God. <laughs> it was a good... Oh, uh, that was a great Chris it's a painful day. Um, painful day. Guys, painful day. Thank you very much for listening to The Front Three. It's a sad day for me. Um, I hope most of you out there enjoyed your season and you've had a good final day. For now, though, Lawrence, where can the good people find you uh, until next Wednesday? Uh, on Wednesday, you'll be able to find me in the morning in Glasgow for the Football Republic, playing uh, oh, yeah. on the Celtic's uh, hallowed turf. And then uh, wow. in the evening... What? Be- yeah. Um, in the evening... Why, why didn't I get this invite? Hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, and then in the evening, because I work hard, because in the evening, you'll be able to find me in Liverpool wearing a Liverpool shirt in uh, the fan zone uh covering the final with tfr uh, i'd have done that you said i could play a parkhead before <laughs> <laughs> you can peruse off now chris uh so yeah, find me there tfr this week and of course tomorrow morning or monday morning this week announcing the england squad on tfr and indeed squawker fantastic stuff uh, Kristen, uh, chris where can they find you on my way to Adam Bolton, that's, that's where. With a gun. <laughs> You've got some things to talk about, young man. Um, I will be at the Copper America this summer. Yes, he will. Um, Ooh, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, prior to that, Ian I Wright's house. can be found on Twitter at K H E N E A G. Doesn't let me go to his house. No. Um, <laughs> always have to make him in public. Um, <laughs> After that incident. <laughs> incident. I just said paper lunch. Um, <laughs> But yeah, other than that, I will be likely in the States. I'll be at the New York Derby um, and a few other places. Fantastic stuff. Uh, Being away, basically. Living the dream. Living the dream. Literally, yeah. It's it's, it's very very good that Kristen's sort of finally getting over to the States. Like, uh, it's been a a while coming, but it's now nice to see you, you statophile. Uh, What what about you, Adam? (laughs) Proven. Oh, you can find me and send all your Spurs banter and abuse at Adam Botwood on Twitter. Um, getting a lot of it today. There is a great, uh, there's a great picture of you circulating online at the moment of you just looking so mm-hmm. crestfallen. I believe it's on your Twitter lines. Yes, go and retweet it now. Go and retweet it. It's great because it. it, what I've also done is taken a perfect picture of you on a green screen, so we can put you anywhere in the world. Yeah, yeah. Just put like that Michael Jordan meme behind me, or even on my face. You got Photoshop. I think that was that would sum it up. That's going to be tweeted within two minutes, right? Oh, here. I've got an update yeah. of what I'm going to be doing this summer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just photoshopping. 
in stop learning. Oh, guys, 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 guys. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, well, until but until Wednesday or Thursday, whenever we do the podcast, let us know um, your highlights of the season and the awards and you know yes. award categories, those kind of things. We'd love to know so you guys get a say on the awards because otherwise it's going to be bloody boring. Please do at the front three on Twitter. Send us your moments of the season, goals of the season, uh, you know, players, all that sort of good stuff. Until Wednesday, have a great week and goodbye. Bye. Fucking Spurs. This didn't get relegated. Please leave a message after the tone. When you finish recording, please hang up or press the hash key for more options. Hey, Davis Lawrence, just wanted to check that you're okay. Um, I know you were at the United game today, wanted to get a quick account, but uh, maybe you're having too much of a good time. You're on the train back, I don't know. We'll hear more about it on Wednesday. Never mind, Dave. See you later. Have a, have a good time with all your mates. He's gone. He's gone. 